0: And how many years is that? Okay, a lot. He's heard many Christmas messages. So how are we going to approach it this year so that hopefully we get a different angle? Uh, well, this year we're looking at Christmas through the eyes of. Um, and, and we're basically we're, we're approaching the Christmas story from the perspective of different characters in the story. And we're going to start this week with the, with the perspective and the, uh, the eyes of of Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, which is an interesting place to start because it's before Christmas. It's a good, what, four months before Jesus is born that John is born. And yet this is the beginning of the Christmas story. So let's see um, what Luke has to say to us in Luke chapter 1, right at the start. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Now when Herod was king of Judea, This is the same Herod, by the way, who a couple of years later is going to slaughter all the young boys um, for fear of Jesus. (coughs) When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth, Well, she was also of the priestly line uh, of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children, because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. Um, they took turns. Um, a, week, a week each order, uh, I think two weeks a year, basically, that they were in the temple. Um, as was the custom for the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter into the sanctuary of the Lord, and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. One day, Zechariah was in the sanctuary, and while he was in the sanctuary, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken, and, and he was overwhelmed with fear. And when he saw him, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers their children, he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah, full of faith, looked at the angel and said, May it be as you have said. Sorry, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to you to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and you will be unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. Usually they took as short a time as they possibly could. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And then they realized from his gestures and his silence that... He must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when Zechariah's week of service ended in the temple, he returned home. And soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And in the six months of her pregnancy... She got a visit from her cousin Mary. And the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy, recognizing Jesus was there. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you that you are our God and that you are our King. Lord, help us to understand what it is that you are doing in our world. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Lord, help us to, to have faith which is more than just a scent, but, but an actual trust. Lord, so often we, we are like Elizabeth and Zechariah. Speak to us now, I pray, Spirit. Father, please open our hearts and minds to your word and your message of hope and life. Please even use these lips of mine. Amen. Just before we begin, how much do you trust God? You can say that much? The cross is big. Yeah. But how much do we really trust God? We do our best. best, But do we? We try, but do we? (laughs) You see, this is an interesting story because... It's a story of trust and a story of hope. We we meet Elizabeth and Zechariah um, and we find that they are a couple who are trusting God no matter what. Here's a couple who are both descendants of priests. They come from a a line of those who have been serving God and worshipping God for generations past. They've been brought up I guess the modern analogy is that they are pastor's kids, of pastors' kids of pastors' kids of pastors' kids of pastors' kids of pastors' kids. They've been brought up in God's service their whole lives. And they're an unusual couple. Re- remember we said this is in the time of Herod, the tyrant, the horrible man who, who claims to be a Jew, but we, we get a totally different couple here. Here we have a couple who says, Luke, to us, are righteous in God's sight. A couple who keep God's commandments, who do what God says. And, and not that they were perfect, as John says, they, they tried. They did their best, but, but they were examples of genuine faith and trust in God. Um, like Job, they are those who feared God and did their very best to stay away from evil. These were good Christian people. The kind of people that you look at and you see... Well, they weren't Christian people because Jesus hadn't been born yet. They were good, godly people. The kind of people that you looked at and you saw something of what God meant us to be like. Um, But they were trusting no matter what. Because Luke says to us right at the beginning that they had this major issue that that they had no kids. Elizabeth was barren. But... about the worst thing that could happen back then, and, and I mean, Deuteronomy seven fourteen. One of the blessings that God said to the Israelites when He took them into the land, He said, "If you obey Me, if you keep My commandments, one of the things I'll do is that I will give you children." And so people would read that little bit of God's promise, and they would twist it and say, "Well." If Elizabeth is not having any kids, therefore she must have some secret hidden sin, and really she looks good on the outside, but inside she's rotten to the core. Because God is judging her. There must be a spiritual defect in her. Horrible, isn't it? And here is Elizabeth... Trusting God, keeping on obeying God, despite society looking at her and saying, you must be a sinner. She just kept on following God to the best of her ability. And the same for Zechariah, of course. It, it, It wasn't uncommon in those days for a husband to divorce his wife because she had a flaw. He could have divorced Elizabeth a long time ago. And of course, for both of them, or if you're young, that's one thing, because who knows, God might give you a child. But they're ancient. Well, they're not that old, but they're old. It would be like Eric coming, standing up the front saying, church, I've got some, got some news for us this week. <laughs> Linda's laughing her head off. <laughs> that's the kind of thing we're talking about. They have given up hope of having kids again. I hope. You guys, okay. (laughs) My brother told us um, the other day that that they're expecting their first child. And that's exciting, but but can you imagine a 50 or 60 or 70 year old coming and saying that? They're well advanced in years. In fact, when Gabriel gives uh, Zechariah the message, his first response is, Man, I don't want to speak too loudly, but my wife is ancient. I'm no spring chicken either. They are living their life, trusting God, following God, despite. Zechariah's name means God has remembered. And yet it looked to him like God had not remembered. Had he forgotten Elizabeth and Zechariah? They had prayed, I'm sure, for a child. Their family would have died out. In fact, their family does die out with no succession after John. But but had God forgotten them, and even so, they kept following him and they kept trusting God, not knowing why God would not give them a child, Zechariah at least had his job and he could go and he could serve. Uh, He was one of about 18,000 priests and they would go, as I said, um, a week at a time and serve in the temple. Uh, Each day when you were in service at the temple, all the different jobs, lots were cast and sort of random who got what. Uh, The most important job, obviously, well, I'll say obviously because I'm going to explain why obviously, the most important job was to go and burn incense uh, in the sanctuary. This is burning incense, and, and when you do that, you pray to God. And the incense burner, if you imagine the temple in the Old Testament, it's, it's, it's kind of made of three bits. You've got the outside bit where everyone goes. You've got the inner bit, the sanctuary. And then you've got the inner, inner bit, the most holy place, uh, where the Ark of the Covenant was, was uh, originally kept. Um, not there at this time, because this is a rebuilt temple. But the most holy place. Now, only once a year on the Day of Atonement would the high priest enter the most holy place. But the only time that you came closest to it was when you were burning incense. So this this is an honor to be chosen to go and burn incense because you got the closest to God that you could. And as I said, usually the priest who was burning incense did it as quickly as he could, just in case he did something something wrong and God smited him. So he would quickly go and quickly go out. Uh, This was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, You were only allowed one time to burn incense. And even then, a lot of priests would never have burned incense their whole life. This is an honor, a great honor that Zechariah is given. He would have gone to the golden incense altar, accompanied with, with two assistants. One would have been bringing in a, a, a gold bowl full of burning coals, um, which he would spread out on the altar, and then he would leave. And, and the other assistant would come in with, with an incense, uh, like a golden thing of incense, and, and he would arrange it on the altar, and then he would go. And then it was Zechariah's job to place the incense on top of the burning coals, and you'd get this fragrant, smoky, smelly thing. And as it went up, Zechariah's job was to pray for the blessing of God and to pray for the peace of God to come. And as he prays for God's peace to come, I love this. He gets the fright of his life (laughs) because there's an angel appears standing to the right of the altar and he's like wow what is this the timing is just fantastic because god is beginning the story of jesus here with the announcement of john this is a time when people recognized that they needed god's forgiveness this is what it's all about the burning of incense the offerings It's about saying, we need God. And as Zechariah is praying there, God, please bless us. We need you. We need your peace. We need your presence. What does God do? He sends his angel to say, well, I'm sending John, and he will be the forerunner of the Christ. The angel says to him, "John, uh, Zechariah, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. I mean, what prayer? Is Gabriel talking about the prayer that Zechariah has just been offering, asking for the peace of God to come upon the land? Well, Yes, but, but, but I think he's also answering the prayer that they have stopped praying. Many years ago, he's answering the prayer for a child. And the two things, it turns out, are going to be very similar. Because in answering the prayer for a child, God is also announcing the start of His kingdom on earth. And announcing the coming of true peace, not just for Israel, but for the whole world. This is the birth of the herald of the King of Peace. From start to finish, John's life will be filled with the spirit and he will fill Zechariah's heart and life with such joy and gladness. Can you imagine spending your whole life and reaching the ripe old age of old and suddenly having a child? But greater than this to know that this child is a servant of God who is bringing glad tidings And Gabriel says, many will rejoice at his birth. And and as he tells people and calls people back to God, you you see broken relationships being mended, fathers' hearts turning towards their children. That is just such a precious gift that God is giving to faithful Zechariah and faithful Elizabeth. He says, not only will I answer your prayer, but through that answer I will bless And ultimately, because of that blessing, I will bless your socks off. I will send my son. Gabriel says he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he's only great in the sight of the Lord because he announces the coming of the Lord. So there are Zechariah and Elizabeth trusting God no matter what. Encountering the God who answers and gives us hope. Which brings me right back to my initial question, how much do we trust God? Because for Zechariah, sitting there, listening to Gabriel, he's over his stage fright, not stage fright, he's over his fright now. He realizes, well he thinks he realizes, that reality is too real. Real. I mean, did Zechariah ever really believe that God would step in and answer his prayer for a child? I am convinced that he had given up. Absolutely convinced. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that although Zechariah and Elizabeth served God faithfully, obeyed God faithfully, I have a sneaking suspicion that they were secretly disappointed with God. And if you think about it, his response to Gabriel is disappointing. It's one of absolute unbelief. He says it can't happen. This is life. This is reality. I will follow God. I will trust God. I will obey God. But don't try and ask me to believe such nonsense. I'm a man of the world. I know these things. It's not a good idea to, to irritate an angel. Because Gabriel, in no short shrift, says, you know what, I stand in God's presence. He sent me here. Which, in other words, means you're not only complaining at me and Angel, you're complaining about God. He says, right. You know what? Let me prove it to you. Silence, dude. And Zechariah's mouth is shut. Now, ladies, some of you might like this idea of having your husband silent for nine months. (laughs) probably not though can you imagine how frustrating it would be how incredibly frustrating he would stay silent until John was born because reality seemed too real trusted God no matter what, was offered hope, tried to throw it back in God's face. God persisted. And eventually we see Zechariah moving through to a place of trust. See, this is an interesting birth narrative, the one of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Um, Can you imagine, mute, going home, and having to convince your wife that you're going to have a kid. I mean, Mary's pregnancy was absolutely miraculous in in that it was a virgin birth. Um, John was conceived in the natural way. And for them to try for a baby at their age was nothing more than an act of... You see, Zechariah could have kept on and said, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. I'm old, I'm old, she's ancient. He could have done that. Elizabeth could have turned to Zechariah and said, you've got to be joking, man. Baby at my age, dreaming. And yet they chose to trust God despite They trusted God no matter what, and they trusted God despite what. They lived life based on the assumption that God's promise would be true, which is a good thing to do. And I find it interesting there in verses 23 to 25 that Elizabeth does fall pregnant, but but for the first five months, she hides herself away. And even there, she's trusting God, and yet she's also holding back a little bit. She doesn't want to announce it for everyone to hear. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they had had a few miscarriages beforehand. Maybe she was just like trusting God, but let's see if it, let's see if it goes well. We do know that she thanked God and she praised God. And she trusted God. Well, so what? What a lovely, it's a lovely Christmas story, isn't it? You can make a movie about it, this old couple who gets a child. And, ah, Christmas hope. Well, what does it actually mean for us today? What, what's the point of reading the story of John? He came as the forerunner to Christ. Christ has come. So what? Well, I think, It's it, as I said right at the beginning, it's a story of Christmas hope, but it's also the story of trust. And it's a story to everyone who might have a pain or a disappointment in our lives, especially one with God. Um, uh, our pain might not be the absence of a child. Our, our pain can come from any number of things. We can be disappointed with God for any number of reasons, even when we are trusting Him and following Him and obeying Him. And the first thing we learn from Elizabeth and Zechariah is that they refused to get bitter with God. They trusted God no matter what. At no point did they say God has not done what I wanted him to do and so I will not serve him. No, they trusted God. They they knew that if God is God then he is worthy of trust no matter what. We sometimes need to re- learn to rely on God. Because God never guarantees that life will be free of disappointments or pain or anything, but but the question is, how will we handle it? You see the point is that God does have a plan, and it's a plan of love. Ultimately, what we see here is Zechariah and Elizabeth trusting to God's character, no matter what. And just look at how, how sort of extent, what extent God went to to save us. He didn't just send a savior; he sent a forerunner. To announce the Savior. And when Jesus came, it wasn't just to to forgive us and be done with it. He he came to, to call us into a new life with Him. And He still calls us to new life with Him. You see... John came as the forerunner of the coming Christ, but and Christ came to save us, but Christ also said He was coming back. I wonder how many of us are like Zechariah who believe that fervently and live as if it's not true. Zechariah fervently believed in the character of God, but he lived according to his own understanding. I think the question for us from this passage is, are we ready for what God is going to do? Zechariah learned for himself that underestimating God is a...